Hey, I want to welcome you to another episode of Money Matters Top Tips for Success, where each and every day I bring on new business owners, entrepreneurs, and executives and have them share their top tips for success with you. My name is Adam Torres. You can follow me on Instagram at AskAdamTorres to keep up with my book releases, book tours, schedule, signings, all that other good stuff. Always love to connect with you there. And as always, if you'd like to apply to become a co-author of one of my upcoming books, just head on over to the website, MoneyMattersTopTips.com, and click on Become an Author to Apply. All right, so today I have Nadia Mashar on the line, and she is the managing partner over at Oro Partners Limited. Nadia, welcome to the show. Thank you, Adam. So I'm excited to get more into what you're doing over at Oro Partners Limited, but before we do that, let's get a little bit more into your background. So how did you get started in business and in your career? Um, funny story. I actually got into the industry by chance. Uh, I... I I grew up in Dubai. Um, my father was a diplomat there, and because of that, I was pretty exposed to a lot of, you know, very prominent families in their region. And a friend of mine was, you know, starting a hatch fund, asked for some intros, and um, that went really well. And kind of just saw an opportunity uh, to bridge the gap between uh, the Gulf nations, which you know, is primarily the United Arab Emirates as well as Kuwait and Saudi Arabia and uh, the U.S. market. So just started the company from there. Wow, what an amazing story. Um, and what I what I like about it, and you said it kind of surprised, which, which uh, is interesting to me, but you said it was kind of by chance. I don't think it was by chance. So we all, there's so many, I've done a thousand interviews, and there's so many people that we all have these pivots or these moments in time when there's an opportunity that you, you, you choose to seize and good things can come from it. Um, and you, and you, and it may take you in a different career direction, a different life path. There's so many different things that can come from it. Um, so my, my question to you would be, you know, if there's some younger entrepreneurs out there, maybe some people just getting started that aren't quite as far along as you are. So maybe they're, uh, they're just graduating college or maybe they need to go to college and they're starting their career. What kind of advice would you give a, a person like that in terms of really um, following that path to seize an opportunity that's in front of them? Um, okay. Well, I actually started my company, uh, you know, probably about seven, eight months out of college. But I, like I said, mm. I kind of just walked into it. And although I had a finance degree, I mean, they don't really teach you about private equity or hedge funds or any of, of that in colleges. I mean, some are starting to. At the mm -hmm. time, this is back 2006, they weren't. Um, I think, you know, my advice is, you know, if you're starting your own business, it's kind of just, you know what you're getting yourself into. A lot of people have a notion that, and I had a bunch of friends, you know, right after college that thought, you know, all they, all they could see is the international flights and all the fun things, but <laughs> they weren't really seeing the 16-hour work days uh, seven days a week and, you know, obviously missed out on a lot of, you know, trips and, you know, personal stuff. Uh, so it's just kind of like one advice is, A, do know what you're getting yourself into. So I think as a business owner, you do tend to work a lot more than your employees do. Uh, so that's one thing. Another thing that I would add, and that's kind of almost like a regret on my side and kind of looking back what I would have done differently is that I would have gone and worked for a large corporation in the industry uh, for two years before starting what I did. Um, that just kind of gives you an exposure in terms of learning from you know someone who's been doing it for a very long time, 
and uh, additionally, you know, just kind of learn the mistakes as you kind of from other people as opposed to on your own. And additionally, that would also, you know, as a business owner, especially someone who's young, you know, reputation is everything. And, you know, the more you can show for it, the better. So having uh, a brand name on a resume would have been nice. <laughs> Uh, mm-hmm. not so much a resume, but, you know, these days, LinkedIn and all, everyone sees where you went to college, where you work. And I think mm-hmm. for me starting out, you know, having a name like, you know, Morgan Stanley or J.P. Morgan, something of, the, uh, of those companies would have been uh, a nice thing to have. But, you know, by the time I realized it, I was like eight years in and, you know, it's not like I'm going to drop my business now and start working for a corporation. I love it. That's great advice. Um, so, Nadia, let's switch it up a bit. I want to get into what you're doing over at Oral Partners Limited. So, first, tell me a little bit more about the business, please. So, the business is basically um, uh, we're part investment bank, uh, bank, or you know, you know, like a uh, or a, uh, an agency and uh, part family office. Uh, so. We, uh, you know, just to kind of um, break it down a little bit so on the on the family office side. I mean, we do represent families from the region uh, that are looking to make allocations into the U.S. Uh, markets. Just to be clear, all we do is in the private markets, which includes uh, direct private equity as well as venture investments uh, and uh, allocating to asset managers as well as the um, real estate investments. So the investment banking side is where I spend most of my time is basically doing the same, but for a wider network of uh, individual investors, family offices, as well as private equity funds that are making investments into specific private equity deals. So what I do is, you know, I source the opportunities, you know, diligence them, you know, do whatever, you know, uh, is necessary, and then I you know, basically bring the investors on board uh, to invest in those uh, transactions. Well, any kind of interesting trends that you're noticing? Because you have a very unique uh, vantage point in terms of where you're getting your investors from, the type of deals you're doing. Any kind of trends that you care to talk about um, in general that you're seeing? Um, the general trends. Um, I would say, I mean, most of my time I spent on the private equity side. So unlike venture, private equity doesn't really follow any trends. So like in venture, I mean, for a while there it was, you know, consumer driven and, you know, e-commerce driven, you know, businesses were the hot topic. Then it was ed tech and then it was the insured tax, fintech, you know, whatever. And it just it kind of seemed to go through patterns. I mean, obviously some venture capitalists stick to, to kind of the, the – the, the strategy that they have, but they do pivot uh, along the way, you know, given the markets, you know, there's a lot more innovation taking place. On the private equity side, you know, most of the deals that I'm working with are at least, you know, doing at least $20 million in revenue, at least $2.5 million on EBITDA. So um, those are a lot more mature businesses, and there's a lot less innovation taking place on that side, and people tend to stick to, you know, markets that are, you know, they're a lot 
they're not sexy as what you see in Silicon Valley or LA yes. or whatever. And so we're talking. I like boring. Boring makes money. So let's 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 be clear there. Go ahead. <laughs> exactly. So a lot of the businesses that we're working with are definitely far from sexy. Uh, you know, we're talking about manufacturing businesses. Uh, you know, distribution, uh, industrial, logistics, and things of that nature. So definitely, um, uh, but stable, very cash flowing businesses. And the thing is that, you know, the reason for it, you know, those are stable businesses, although, you know, it depends on what kind of products you're manufacturing within that sector, you know, if it's automotive, automotive or things of those sorts, you know, they do tend to be cyclical. So it's less about the trends and more about, you know, where we are in the economy. Um, outside of that, you know, there are sticky economies, you know, like healthcare services, business services, um, you know, logistics, you know, those things, regardless of where you are in the, in the economy, those are always stable. So, you know, it's less about trends and more about, you know, kind of, you know, obviously there are certain shifts where it depends on how the markets are doing, you know, it really comes down to, the valuations in the market and kind of like meeting the expectations with the pricing. And, um, you know, so there's certain trends that happen there. Um, uh, what else? Um, for the record, yeah, I mean, by the way, you named you named two of the best, uh, most sexy subjects I like, which are logistics and healthcare. I'm like, I just, I love what's going on in logistics across the board. I mean, there's such a disruption, especially um, with heavy equipment and other things. I just see all of these. I mean, it, the the intersection between tech and some of these, uh, even trucking companies. I mean, I, I interviewed somebody the other day, and I just think there's um, who who um, is disrupting the parts manufacturing and distribution from the old model, and I'm just like. Wow, if they can make it as easy for you know these truckers to get parts as um, going on Amazon, that would be a whole different shift. There's so many trucks, and with the deliveries and all, you just look at all these metrics. I think there's so much opportunity in some of these areas. Um, super interesting to me. Um, so Nadia, if somebody is listening to this right now and they just want to learn more about Oral Partners Limited or what you do, um, what's the best way for them to get that info? Um, we, I mean, we, we do have a website, which is orapartners.com. Um, uh, we, uh, or actually, um, I am actually <laughs> linking on the website, uh, but, you know, you can just Google Aura Partners. Uh, we do have a website. doesn't have a lot of information, you know, because a lot of the things, I mean, we're not, you know, set in stone, you know, we're not a private equity fund or a venture capital fund where we have to kind of abide by certain, you know, whatever promises that were made to the investors, you know, so we kind of go where the industry takes us, where, you know, depends on the type of opportunities that, that we source on the market, you know, so it's just, we don't have all the information up on the website, but I think the best way to, 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 to contact, you know, I'm, you know, one one thing, obviously, and via uh, yeah, email works as well. Fantastic. Uh, so, Nadia, really appreciate you coming on the show today and sharing more about your background and all the great work you're doing over at Oral Partners Limited for your clients. Uh, and to the audience, as always, thank you for tuning in. I hope you got a lot of value out of this. Uh, if you did, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, leave me a review, do all those great things we do to support our podcasters. I really do appreciate it. And, Nadia, thanks again for coming on the show. Thank you.